0: I'm Ashley V, and this is Phenomenal Women Leading, the podcast. Welcome to the community that celebrates, motivates, and supports phenomenal women leading in their respective fields. When women support each other, incredible things happen. Together, let's make the incredible. And thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Phenomenal Women Leading, the podcast. Today we have Cassie Alia. She's the chief executive officer and founder of Serve and Connect. She founded Serve and Connect in memory of her late husband, Officer Gregory Alia, who was killed in the line of duty on September 30th. 2015 under her leadership serve and connect has grown from a hashtag to a movement for change touching countless lives in the state of south carolina and beyond let's get ready to learn from today's phenomenal woman cassie alia Hi, Cassie. Hey, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so
1: much for having me on. This is awesome.
0: Thank you. And I'm so excited. You are our third guest. You know, three is my favorite number, so that means I'm connected to you forever. Wow, I love it. That's very (laughs) special. That's perfect. I'm excited for our listeners to learn from you. You're indeed a phenomenal woman.
1: Well, so are you. It's an honor to be in your presence.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So your Twitter description says proud mom, police widow, founder and CEO of Serve and Connect, let love lead. And you have been leading with love in your roles of mom and the widow and founder of CEO of a Serve and Connect. So I want you to talk to us a little bit about your labor of love. First as a mom and then how you have taken your role as a widow and to the founder and CEO.
1: Well, all right, starting with mom, that's obviously my favorite part.
0: (laughs) And, uh,
1: so Sal is three Mm -hmm. and he is the light of my life. He, I don't, how do, how do you begin? I know. Describing what it's like to be a mom. It's, I don't think, even if someone were to describe what it was like, there's no way that you could understand. And it's like how my heart could be so filled with love for mm-hmm. such a tiny little person. Mm-hmm. And he's just started saying things like, I love you, my sweet mama. And yeah. I'm like, oh. And he's heart like, so he'll like talk so much now and have conversations. And I'd be like, just play with me, mama. and yeah. It really is the best gift in the entire world. And, uh, you know, we say this thing before he goes to bed that um, he'll be I'll say, you love my life. And he'll Aww. say, the wind in my sails. And it's true. He has been my reason since day one, and especially through all this tragedy.
0: Yeah. And I don't know about you. This is a little corny mom moment, but I actually, like, sniff my kids. Like, I just like to inhale them and smell them oh and give gosh. them big hugs. Yes. They're just so sweet and so pure. I just pure. could touch
1: his bottom his little hair and, yeah. like, his hair and his hands and everything. Every inch of me loves every inch of him. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So you have been leading with love. You've, um, you know, you've taken a tough situation from from a trial and turned it into a triumph. And you literally took pain and made it powerful. Tell us a little bit about that day on September 30th.
1: You know, it started out... Like any other Wednesday. Uh, So Greg was a police officer, and he had just started back on day shift. And so he got up that morning, took Sal. Sal was only six months old. He actually turned six months old the day Greg was killed. And Mm. he, you know, as with a lot of six-month-olds, was having a hard time sleeping. I was tired. So Greg took him for a little while. He got ready, brought him upstairs, said it's time to go and he kissed my head and he was gone. And so I uh, have been working, it seems like forever on my PhD, but I was uh, getting back on track with my dissertation after I just having Sal, got up, was getting ready to work, went for a run, I was put Sal down for a nap and the text messages started rolling in. Hmm. Hey, is Greg okay? There's been something that happened at the mall. And you learn as a police wife you can't worry about every single thing. I had been scared for a long time, but I was like, you know what? Everything will be fine, and if it's not, I'll know. And you just can't worry about it. And um, so I was like, oh, I'm sure he's fine. I'll hear from him soon, I'm not gonna bother him. Then more messages. And then Sal woke up. So I went into his room, and I was sitting in the rocking chair and started looking on my own Twitter. And then my dog started to bark. And I knew walked to the door, and um, I'll never forget, she's become a part of my family to this day, but one of the police officers, she looked at me and she just said, he's
0: gone. I tell you, my eyes are so watery right now. Um, The strength that you have, even in sharing that day, is... um, Um, that's, that's tough. That is tough. Um, words can't even express the thoughts and the feelings of holding your six-month-old on a day, on a day like that. Um, what, what did, what did you do after she came?
1: Well, you know, Ashley, as you are just saying that, too, I think my heart's calling me to just share, I don't, you know, out of the women who may be listening to this podcast, I think, like, yes, in my story, my husband was a police officer, but there's something so human in that there are so many women who have gone through such pain before me Mm -hmm. and those who have continued to go through it since and the strength that exists within all of us to be stronger than we think that we are Mm -hmm. and just this humbleness I think and um as as I share that and I think about one of the things that's gotten me through is knowing that I'm not the only one who's gone through this and that we can be strong so I guess just words to anyone if if they've been through something that my heart's with them Mm -hmm. as they're listening but anyway so um so they came to the door, and it was like an out-of-body experience. I, uh, like, I really feel like I remembered looking down at myself. I was, I was just in such shock. Um, so I called my dad. I called my one of my friends to come over to watch Sal. He had gone back down for a nap, and. It was just. I remember driving in the police car heading to Greg's parents' house, just in shock, and you know there, all, everything, is heartbreakingly clear. I can I can remember that day, every feeling, every smell, everything. And as September gets closer, I can mm-hmm. feel it come again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember so many feelings. But among them, I remember pounding the ground, just saying. Like, how will I live without him? Mm -hmm. Greg was my whole life. He made me the woman that I am today. I think, you know, I'm Cassie, but he saw something in me that I I didn't even see in myself, and his love transformed me. And I I just couldn't understand that I couldn't hold him. And I didn't understand where he was when, at that moment, the one person I needed couldn't be there. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember being afraid like, what am I going to do? I have this baby. How how are we going to live? And I also, you know, out of all the feelings that I felt since losing my husband, I'm very thankful that anger and hate have been among the least common. But at that time, I also remember feeling angry because if you think about it, it was 2015, and it seemed like at that time... I don't know how you felt, but as a police wife, when I was looking on my social media and looking at the news, it was just so divisive. And Uh it seemed like you were either for police or against police. Uh And I wondered when Greg died, for the people that were so angry with police, did they know that my husband died protecting them? Uh And did they even care? And so that's what uh, really drove me within those first few hours to start speaking out.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Speaking out to preserve his legacy and and to make people aware that, you know, the police, they're here to serve and protect us. And there are some amazing police officers that are caring about us, loving us, serving us every day in their role as our police officers. And I
1: also think, though, in in that initially one of the big drivers was just speaking out to remind people that he was a person huh. i think too often in these cases whether it's a police officer being shot or uh, a member of the community being shot or you know even not in police interactions but broadly when we think see things on the news we've we forget that they're people uh-huh. that they're not just a number that they're not just a tally mark for one team or another. And I think I just wanted to remind people that he was a person, too. He was a father. He was a husband. He was a son. um, And just wanted to humanize him, I guess.
0: Speaking of that, tell us a little bit about him. (laughs) So Greg,
1: oh, my goodness. He was one of a kind. He was, I think, one of the most... If you were to meet him, he was calm, he was humble um he was not ever gonna be like the life of the party but i th- he i could tell that people were drawn to him. he had this confidence, like not arrogant confidence but just self assuredness that puts you at ease um he was so thoughtful. You could tell that when people really needed help, he, was, he would go above and beyond to really care and give that compassion, mm-hmm. um, which I think is one of the things he made such a big impact on me with just that, that calm compassion and love mm-hmm. for me and that always helped to lift me up and make me a better person. You know, it's interesting when I go in to try to describe him, there are certain times like people that you can describe and certain adjectives with him it was just like it was like I don't know if we were made the same thing or what but it was like I was just made to be with him is Mm -hmm. what it felt like and Mm -hmm. that I felt the most at home and at peace and most whole when I was with him
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. that's the power of true love it's an amazing feeling to be connected with someone and you know that that connection is right that's a beautiful thing Um, You founded Heroes in Blue to um, serve as his initial legacy of, you know, highlighting the great work that he did along with the great work that officers all over are doing. Talk to us a little bit about Heroes in Blue. Yeah, so uh, the press conference
1: came out announcing Greg's death and then, I mean, within the hour uh, received the first call. Uh, It was the state newspaper, and they wanted to talk about Greg. And so uh, immediately I spoke out and said, if you want to hear about Greg, I'll I'll talk to you about him. Um, Then Senator Tim Scott called, Mm, and he said— That's my um, senator. (laughs) If there's ever anything that I can do for you, please let me know. And I said, you can speak out on behalf of— law enforcement, and he was on the Senate floor the next day sharing Greg's story and calling for support for police. And that's how it went over uh, the next few hours. At any chance there was a, an opportunity to speak up, I did. Um, uh, you know, I did it for Greg to preserve his memory. I did it for Sal so he wouldn't look back on the news and see hate,
0: Yeah,
1: that um, he would just see the good things yeah. about his dad. But more than anything, as I shared with you earlier, it was about not fueling the hate, not making it one team versus another, but just reminding us of the humanity in in this situation and you know so that's why at three in the morning after he died I was sitting in bed I was so fortunate I had friends come in from all over and I was surrounded by some of my best friends and I shared a Facebook post and I asked for two things I said one um, ask that people share stories about Greg so Sal could learn about the man his father was And secondly, I said that Greg was a hero and many other cops are too. And I proposed using the hashtag Heroes in Blue as a way to raise awareness of the good things that often go untold, not taking away from the bad or not saying that there aren't things that need to change, but also including the good things as part of the conversation. You know, Greg, um, a few months before he died, I remember standing in our kitchen and uh, there had been, it was a tough summer in 2015, just really heartbreaking, so many tragedies for all. And there was a riot that had just happened. And I asked Greg what he thought about it. And among w- what he said is he said, you know, Cassie, for every one negative story you hear in the news, there are thousands of positive stories happening every day. And mm-hmm. so the initial reaction was just to provide a space for those stories that, you know, I had been working my job, which I loved. I had I remember driving home from a work trip just a few weeks before he died. And uh, crying because I was so happy like my life wasn't fancy but it was everything that I had wanted so there wasn't this bigger plan Um, but that hashtag eventually kept growing and it did grow initially into a non-profit that our work was more around rallying community support for law enforcement Uh, but I knew early on as that continued to grow that if we really wanted to address the divisiveness that brought me so much pain that first day that it needed to be something more than that
0: um three takeaways that i just received um you literally literally your first three actions even in the midst of you know something um an unforeseen tragedy you literally led with love you led with love for your husband's memory um, the love you shared with him you wanted to preserve that preserve his legacy you led with love in that you wanted your son to forever be able to you know when he goes back on that day um, to learn of what happened to his dad that he sees that you took that painful situation and you made it into a power of one powerful one for him to be able to reflect on and look to in the memory of his father but then you also had love and compassion for all of what was going on in the world at that present time and you wanted to use your platform to uplift those positive occurrences that are taking place with the officers and the hard work that they are doing. Because like your late husband said, for every one bad example, there are thousands of great examples of good officers doing good work. So literally leading like your Twitter Twitter handle says, let love lead. That's exactly what you did. Thank you, Ashley. Yeah. Talk about... um what do you think it means for you as a woman to be a leader? That's such a great question. Yeah, I
1: so value strong women leaders, and but when you think about it as yourself, I, it's so humbling. And I think that's something we can work together to lift each other up on is... To be able to em- embrace that and to gain that confidence of identifying, you know, this as I shared, this wasn't a long-term vision. This was something that was very reactive and something I felt my heart was called to do. And, and in fact, it was actually very hard, I think, to step into that leadership role, um, it, to accept it as something that emerged because. Greg lost his life and because Mm -hmm. this tragedy happened, and to embrace that as a calling and to—it's so humbling when—it's such a gift to be told that you've made an impact on someone's life, Mm -hmm. and it's a hard thing to accept. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what it's like to be a man. Perhaps it's hard for everyone, but I, I think perhaps as women in particular, we have a difficult time. Of uh, you know, there's always something more we can be doing. Always something better. But to really allow that space to of gratitude, of what it means to lead and mm-hmm. the gifts that we have as women to really lead with love mm-hmm. um, as a as a cornerstone. Um, I had someone ask me the other day, that same officer actually who told me that that Greg was gone. She said, "Cassie, how do you think that you've changed the most over these last three years?" And I said, "I think I've." grown in confidence mm-hmm. um and I, I think if we can all lift each other up as women to be in that space to own to have that pride um to have that confidence that we are beautiful and even if you know we can always work to become the best version of ourselves which we're always working to be but to be proud of where we are at this moment mm-hmm. in time i think uh, that's something i've really grown into in the last three years and um i'm, I'm thankful for that
0: mm-hmm. You um, shared a story on your Facebook literally just yesterday. And if you don't mind, I'm going to read a little bit of it. Um, uh, A young uh, gentleman approached you and said, I don't like the police. All the stories I could tell you about the atrocities I've seen. I lived through the civil rights movement and I carry hashtag Black Lives Matter in my heart to me all police are the same I don't see them as individuals but I followed your story from the beginning and seeing you here today in the flesh speaking to us for the first time I see the humanity in it all and I want you to know you've changed my life he blew me away it was um,
1: one of the most humbling moments this man who Has I don't want to go too much into it for his privacy, but he's had a very positive impact on our community. He uh, has done been very committed in his faith, um, in his work, and to have him open up like that, I just what it gives to me is hope. You know, it it, in that moment you can hear all the pain isn't gone Mm -hmm. and. In fact his perceptions of police sound like are still there Mm -hmm. but what he shared was a recognition of the humanity and seeing me as a person and being open to seeing each other like that we're all people Mm -hmm. we're flawed people Mm -hmm. um and i think that's a big driving force in a lot of the work is and i shared this in the post too it's not about perfection I hear things, I hear great things, like those positive stories I wanted to share, but I I hear things that frustrate me when I'm out there trying to advocate on behalf of good things. I'm like, why did that have to go that way? Like, Mm -hmm. couldn't have we done better? And then I hear really awful things and I see them too. And so it's not in ignorance or um, I think in this false vision that we're going to fix everything overnight or that everything's great if we could all just come together. No, but it's, it's about creating a foundation where we're able to connect on our shared humanity Mm -hmm. and have an open conversation that understands that what impacts one of us really impacts us all. Mm -hmm. And that if we can come together over this shared commitment to build better futures for our, our kids and our families um, that there's just going to be hope and it's going to take hard work. And I think that post also reflects that it's not an overnight fix, right? but that it's a start if we can, if we can just be open both of us on like he was open, I was open and what beautiful things can make come from that.
0: Yeah. In, in a recent interview, um, you said a few key statements that resonated with me. Um, so I want to highlight those and, and discuss those a little bit more in detail. Um, one thing you said is so much, We're so much more similar than we are different and um, that we should fight for change and not lose the humanity in the process um, and to uh, create connections instead of fostering divisiveness. And so through Serve and Connect, those are some of the grounding, motivating principles of the organization. What work are you all doing and with what communities and in, in even a step further, and how can people join in on the work that you're doing? So our work
1: is uh, focused around uh, the relationships between police and the communities they serve. And in particular, we focus on uh, communities that have experienced both historical and present negative experiences with police that have greater distrust in law enforcement and also are often historically disenfranchised when it comes to, um, I mean, I can go on all the disparities that exist in our country, but I think so it's really about policing and communities and bringing people together. Um, that's our fight, but it is grounded on these values of empathy around shared humanity. Um, I think that the message, while our work focuses in one sector, um, I hope I think we think there's resonance in a broader message in our divisive times that we have in our, our country. But so you asked about the specific work that we try to do. So I think that two main cornerstones are um, increasing access to resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, so police, you know, they can't be everything to everyone. I talked mm-hmm. to my husband. I was doing some work um, years back and we were working in a lower income, higher crime neighborhoods trying to promote physical activity. And we had been doing some work with police. And I was like, Greg, you should do this and you should do that. And he was like, Cassie, you're the psychologist and I'm the police officer. (laughs) And so I, I very much respect that. And I think sometimes we expect police to be everything to everyone and they can't be. But what they can be is a really valuable conduit for for resources that can make a real difference every day police come across people who are in need Mm -hmm. who are experiencing poverty hunger homelessness and they do often go out of their own way and own pocket to try to make a difference what we want to try to do is increase the number of those positive interactions increase the effectiveness Mm -hmm. of them and really better partner police with community organizations that are making a difference so we create a stronger and more abundance of uh, resources that matter Uh, so one example of that is our Greg's Groceries Initiative. It's a partnership mm, with, Harvest Hope. with Harvest Hope Food mm-hmm. Bank yep. um, that provides police with boxes of non-perishable food so that when they come across a uh, family who is experiencing hunger, mm-hmm. uh, that they are able to provide uh, an immediate response to provide support mm-hmm. um, and then importantly link them up with Long-term resources that can make a sustainable difference. Beautiful. Um, The other side of it is relationships and trust. So not everything is linked to issues related to uh, lack of resources. It's there's relationships, there's trust. Mm -hmm. um, Coming to that place of being able to talk to one another and have that social capital. Um, And so, one of the things I'm so excited. I, I often say I wish people could just walk in my shoes on a daily basis and see some of the transformative conversations that I've had uh, the gift to witness. Um, but so we do want to bring that out on a bigger platform. and I, I'm excited to announce that we're going to do it in a more systematic way okay. coming up. Okay. Um, so starting in the spring'll be our first, courageous conversations i was gonna ask okay, so if you were gonna do something excited. like that yeah. yeah and so the vision for courageous conversations will be how do we elevate police and community relationships mm-hmm. in south carolina mm-hmm. and um, happen every six months okay. uh, focus on a specific topic the first one will be race and policing we have other ones on the docket for mental health yeah. policing youth um, we can go through all the list, but uh, the vision will be that it's a, a place where a diverse stakeholders—police, community representatives, educators, politicians—everyone can come to the table, mm-hmm. um, interact with each other, hear from diverse experts. What's going well in our state? Where do we need to grow? What are the best practices? And then co-design solutions and recommendations for how we take our step to the our state to the next level. And, you know, too often I hear cases where people will say oh well you know these issues just happen so rarely or they try to justify what Mm -hmm. something happened but you know every life matters and every life lost is a loss to us all and so we should always be working to improve every single day and it's not even just in the major things like life loss but just general interactions the Mm -hmm. impact that they can have those minor interactions over time and so how do we take us to the next level and really improve and that's what it's going to be focused on.
0: Amazing, and it's so funny. I went right before you said that. My mind started turning about um, what the conversations would look like between law enforcement and the communities. Because on uh, one of your videos, it says conversations between law enforcement and the Latino community. And so I was, you know, in my mind trying to envision what those conversations will look like. Which um, communities would you identify to have those conversations with? And are you going to? Tackle the tough conversations in those communities that we need to stop shying away from and actually put on the table so that we can address them, heal from them in so many instances. Um, so many communities don't have that trust there. Um, even the gentleman, um, he, he, he basically reference that lack of trust um, there for officers. And so getting the conversation going so that we can, you know, heal those wounds and talk through it and then show that and highlight that humanity to make those connections again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's being open and honest, laying the truth on the table, having real conversations from different perspectives about where we are But then, importantly, finding solutions, because Mm -hmm. it only matters so much as we're actually driving real change. Mm -hmm. And so the Courageous Conversations is one platform that we're seeking to create that open dialogue. But um, ongoing, we're consistently looking for ways that we bring people together. We've been in conversations on really how do we take... The next step with our relationships with the Latino community, for example, and I actually have a, several meetings upcoming that mm-hmm. are scheduled related to that aim because and it, it does take time because it takes time to really listen to understand to we don't want to do anything at face value that it needs right. to be meaningful and mm-hmm. real mm-hmm. Um, and driven by the voices of the community. No work that we do is happens without input. From the people who are impacted and who are receiving the services, and so it takes some time, but I hope that the the payoff will um, make increase the impact.
0: I'm gonna tell you, I am um, I'm excited for you um, because you're doing the work, and it's work that's very important, and it's. Um, very much so needed not just in the state of south carolina but in our country overall um this work is needed and these conversations are needed and i just can't help but to think about um the last two guests on the podcast um you may or may not be familiar but our first guest was alana simmons who uh, lost her grandfather in the Emanuel Nine uh, shooting in Charleston. And then the uh, so she's created the hate won't win movement. And she's having those tough conversations. And she's um, speaking to families and communities who suffered similar losses and tragedies. And then the second guest that we've had is Rosalind Goodwin who is a VP and lobbyist for the Health Association for the state of South Carolina and so she's using that platform to have the tough conversations about the health care disparities in the state and especially in areas of where she grew up which is rural South Carolina and so Um, a common denominator between the three of you is identifying the need for change and you all are taking situations and platforms and you're leading the conversation so that we can really get down to tangible change that's needed in all of those different areas of life and I think that is absolutely phenomenal i can't use the word phenomenal enough <laughs> Oh,
1: well, it's such an honor to follow in their footsteps i know alana well and i, I think that she has been such a courageous champion mm-hmm. uh, against hate and uh it sounds like i'm following two wonderful women phenomenal women and phenomenal. so so i'm really honored
0: yeah um so initially started heroes in blue and then that hashtag grew into a movement, and other people joined in, and they shared pictures and stories, and um, you know they did service projects. And then you took it a step further, and then you created Served and Connect, and um, through that you've been lauded from places like the state newspaper and the Central Carolina Community Foundation for your work that you're doing um, in the in the community around this topic. And now you're getting ready to take it a step further and serve as one of the speakers for the very first season of the TEDx at University of South Carolina. Talk a little bit about that that's coming up. Oh, my goodness. It's such an honor
1: to be selected in that group. I uh, It's a little nerve-wracking, too, <laughs> to like to say something, put it together. And the the main theme that they wanted me to talk on was courageous conversations wow. and how we are able to... Have those real and open conversations, mm-hmm. and what does it take? And um, it, it's been a gift to have the space for that reflection to mm-hmm. really think what goes into it, to think about my own experiences and how they're related. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how it shapes up, and I um, have a lot of work to do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, that date is
1: October 9th,
0: and they can get tickets where? I don't think they go on sale
1: until later in August this okay. month. August. So, I
0: think I stopped. 25th maybe. Yeah, that somewhere around right. there. Yeah. Okay. And they purchase it directly from Carolina? I
1: think so. They okay. didn't give us an information yet.
0: Okay. So we got it hot we'll off the sure press. We'll be sure to everybody. be sure to post. Absolutely. Yes. So where can they follow you so they can get those updates?
1: Um so Cassie Alia on Facebook. And then Cassie.Alia, I think, on Instagram. And so Cassie Alley on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's K-A-S-S-Y-A-L-I-A. Yes. Um, And you can follow her on all forms of social media. And please stay tuned to her social media pages so that you can learn more about her um, speaking engagement coming up with TEDx of University of South Carolina. And you'll also be able to connect and learn about the courageous conversations that... Our listeners are one of the first people to hear about. So I'm excited about that. So let's stay tuned so we can attend, support and champion that cause. Um, But just in case our listeners did not see, you know, I I know your quote said finding love through grief can be tricky business. Uh, Talk to us because you're engaged and you're getting ready to marry Mr. Mitch Ray. Mm -hmm. Tell us about this.
1: I remember soon after Greg died, someone commented, like, oh, you'll find love again. And I was like, you know, I don't know. I'm not looking for it. I could see myself wanting a buddy when I get older, but, you know, I had a lot going on. So it wasn't something that I had in the cards, and certainly not so soon after. But... He was just such a blessing. Uh, Mitch and I were friends before, uh, part of the same friend group. Um, he knew Greg. And when Greg died, Mitch got very involved in supporting the work. I remember just a few months after Greg died, uh, he wrote me a note just saying uh, how much he believed in the work that we were trying to do. And through that, you know, he, he got more involved in the organization, Um Got, we became closer friends, and he started to just see how difficult it was being a single mom and me adjusting to that life. So he would start to step in and did more help, you know, help me baby-proof the house and baby-proof the deck. And uh, just would he watched Sal sometimes when I needed to work, he, he was really outstanding. And uh, then over time, you know, things started to grow. You could tell there was some attraction or interest, and he was like I think I like you I was like Mitch you're a bachelor I'm a widow with a kid you know like this is a lot but he was just there so committed and a lot of relationships is so different from I mean every relationship is different Uh, Greg and I we started dating when I was 21 it was all rainbows and butterflies and you know just the excitement of that love and this love was different I think we've had to address some really difficult things very early on and mm-hmm. but that's created such a strong foundation of trust I and mean, he's my best friend mm-hmm. um he loves he says that he fell in love with sal before before he fell in love with me and, yeah. and he just loves everything that we have been who we are now and what we hope to be so uh, he's a strong man and just such a gift
0: that's Absolutely beautiful. I mean, amazing. Um, you are the only person I've interviewed that made me cry and laugh in the same segment. Um, but your story is, you know, it's its beautiful to see the transformation and, um, you know, it's inspiring and encouraging. Um, uh, I'm going to borrow from Rosalind a little bit because in her segment, she talked about the responsibility that we have to share our stories, even in the midst of the hurt and pain, because we are helping someone else who's going through that story and you've literally shared this entire process publicly you have grieved publicly and 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 you uh became a single parent publicly and and you had to lay your husband to rest publicly and you honored his legacy publicly and and now you're Falling in love again publicly, and so the whole thing—you are sharing the entire process with the world—and um, and that's very courageous and 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 phenomenal. Well, thank you. I
1: think what has been returned through that openness has come back—I mean, hundredfold when we open our hearts to others, how others open up their hearts to us and really share and are transparent and real. And that that really helps create a foundation for us to understand one another. You know, Ashley, so before Greg died, as I shared, I was a community psychologist. I knew the numbers. I knew the statistics I could write. I wrote papers on it. But until you understand someone's real experience up close, mm-hmm. what those numbers look like in real life, you don't. Really get it, and it is only through us being open, by opening our hearts to listen to others, mm-hmm. and by having others listen when we are open, that we can get to that place of understanding. And that's what's gonna it's gonna take for us to make real change happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you, you, thank you for joining us today. I've learned so much. Um, I hope our listeners, I'm pretty sure they've learned a lot too. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm often asked um, how do you integrate all of the responsibilities of you know who you are, what you have to do um, and the many roles so what are some tips that you have for integrating your roles as mom and um, fiance and community leader and founder of a nonprofit organization. How are you, and in your doctoral program, how are we integrating these roles? I was just thinking about that
1: actually yesterday. I was, you know, we all have insecurities. Everybody does. And I've been thinking lately, one of my things has been, even my health has mm-hmm. been hard. You know, I haven't like, I'm proud of who I am, but I also I would love to be better at exercising more and it's like Mm -hmm. being hard on myself for that and then in the same breath I'm like god I didn't do enough for Sal did I play with him enough did I pay enough attention to him did I give him enough and it was I mean just yesterday those were the two things that were really hanging as we were planning all this other work and it's like just pause Mm -hmm. and be gentle on yourself you know I think We have these expectations of perfection uh, that we want to do everything to the best degree. And, I mean, I'm certainly an overachiever. I love to to do that. But we just have to be gentle on ourselves sometimes and and give ourselves that room that, you know, in that moment with Sal, it's like hopefully – I, hopefully I did I probably gave more than I give myself credit for and then mm-hmm. maybe he's also learning what it means to serve in that moment and then you know maybe I'm not exercising as much as I would like but this is also a body that has welcomed a son who that has grieved the loss of a husband that has started an organization mm. and has found love again and it's like being present with who we are Mm -hmm. in this moment Mm -hmm. and knowing as long as we're seeking to do the best that we can and we're coming at it from a place of love and honesty and compassion for others. you know, There are things, I'm sure even things that I've said today, I'm gonna look back on this even a week from now and be like, oh, I've learned so much. But that's part of the beauty of it all is we should always be learning and seeking to improve. And Mm -hmm. I think I was also thinking about it though in relation. So it's like how we treat ourselves and the relationship we have other selves And the parallels that that has to the relationships we have with others. And when we're trying to improve things, whether it's in my work, police and community relationships, or whatever it may be, even just a relationship with your spouse or whoever, are we being gentle to each other? Are Mm -hmm. we holding each other to a high standard but supporting each other to get to that place? Yes. Um, And I think it is about a relationship with ourselves and with those in our life around us and, and really encouraging being encouraging, gentle, compassionate
0: and yes. and always hoping that we can be something better. Yes, because relationships matter and that compassion, that love, that care, nurturing, that's all important to have those healthy relationships with Your children, your love, your love interests, your friends, and even in the work that you do, you still need to have that level of care so you can efficiently and effectively do the work that you do to the best of your ability with the people you seek to serve. Cassie, this episode, um, this discussion, this conversation with you has been transformative um, for me. To say the absolute least, you are remarkable, and I truly appreciate you sharing your story with us, the listeners, but also with the world, and um, using you know your experiences to be the light that we all need, um, and to 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 start create and continue the tough conversations in our community. Well, thank you, Ashley. And you
1: are such a light with the work
0: that you are doing in the
1: community. And I think to all the women out there, we are so much stronger than we think we are. We have such a light inside of each of us. And though what we're called to do may be different. That's part of the beautiful things that if we're all holding that light and if we're all harnessing that strength, think of what a beautiful place this can all be. And it takes Mm -hmm. us all all doing it together and lifting each other up in the process. So thank you for creating a space for us to do that.
0: Thank you, and our two mottos for Phenomenal Women Leading are empowered women, empower women, and when women work together, incredible things happen. So I appreciate the work that you're doing and working with others so that we can make the incredible. I would also like to thank some incredible people for supporting as patrons, Monica Snell, Rosalind Chamberlain, Shante Thomas, Tanisha Williams, and Gwethalyn Bellamy Barnes. Before um, Cassie leave us today, I have to pay homage to Dr. Maya Angelou. As always, she is the author of the poem Phenomenal Woman, which is one of my absolute favorite poems. So we're going to have Cassie close us out as the phenomenal woman she is.
1: My name is Cassie. I am a woman phenomenally. Phenomenal Woman Leading, that's me.
0: Thank you all for listening and supporting Phenomenal Women Leading. As I told you, we were going to be in for a treat. We learned so much today. We cried a little. We laughed a lot. And I thank Cassie for joining us. Please stay connected with us. Uh, With the Phenomenal Women Leading community, if you are on Facebook, request an ad in the private, closed Phenomenal Women Leading group so that you can get daily inspiration, encouragement, and motivation and be connected to other women who are seeking to make the world a better place in their respective fields. Um, For the ladies and gentlemen out there supporting our mission, please follow us on all of our public social media pages, Phenomenal Women Leading on Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Don't forget to visit our website phenomenalwomenleading.com and on our website you have different ways that you can get connected and engaged with us. Um, you can listen to the podcasts that are archived there, um, so all of the episodes are featured right there on the website. You can also become a patron and so seed into the project of Phenomenal Women Leading And there you can become a patron and donate as little as $2 a month um, to our growing community. And you can also work on empowering yourself with some resources that are right there on the website. We just launched our first webinar live course. So that is made available right there on the website. So please be sure to visit PhenomenalWomenLeading.com. And for all of the Apple users, you can download the free podcast. Phenomenal Women Leading on any Apple device right in the podcast store. Thank you so much and continue to live and lead phenomenally. Please be sure to catch our weekly interviews as we learn, grow, and develop with other Phenomenal Women who are leading. Know a Phenomenal Woman leading? Please submit their contact information and brief summary statement to PhenomenalWomenWhoLead at gmail.com. I look forward to learning with you.